0: Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host Nathan Zinner, joined as always by the Jack Be Bad to my Riddick. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. And our very own Abu Al Walid. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, is it? Are, are you pleased to be Keith David? Oh, on a scale of one to ten, how pleased are you? Oh, it's always
1: a ten out of ten.
0: Is this is this back to back weeks of us talking on Keith David? No, there was a week in oh. between, huh? We. We failed. I wish. It was, it was Keith David week. was a Nope. Yeah. Every week should be a Keith David. True legend. It's, it's just not. It's just not the same. King of the character without, characters without Keith David. All right. So well, you know, there's one. There's one big topic that you have to talk about on a day like today. But before I get to that, I have to bring up uh, a tweet that I saw. So are you got? Are you guys ready? As ready as I'll be. No, it's bad. Are I don't you know. Sure? I you
1: Are know, you know sure? I don't I don't read many
2: tweets, so I'm never I'm tweet. never ready. Bro, tweet when you said you were going to bring it up, like it was either gonna be really good or really bad and based on the time of year it is, it was gonna be really bad. Hashtag let's ride.
0: Okay. So oh man, I'm I I didn't write down the name and now I'm like now I'm like panicking. I just wrote down the tweet. I realized like this is this is how you know that like me and Kevin are about to start start
1: school <laughs>
0: next week is when when my notes are like just totally off. It's like it just says the tweet, but not the uh, the. the it literally content. just says the words the tweet.
2: That's that's no. All he it does got. not. It's... It does not say just. <laughs> no,
0: it does not just I say. I give you.
2: I give you an inc, Mr. Santo. <laughs> the tweet.
0: Okay, oh you ready? Gosh. Okay, I found it. Okay, Johnny. Johnny Venerable tweeted.
2: That doesn't help.
0: <laughs> John um let's see who Johnny Venerable is. He is a check mark. He does a Arizona Cardinals podcast. Oh, uh, fail. host of at host of at PHNX oh. Cardinals podcast oh. at PHNX bets. He is an Illinois State University alum and has a lot of co- He actually has a lot of cool hashtags in his in his bio, so he's probably a pretty cool guy, but this take is um almost cool as bad to- Copy second second worst take I saw in the Discord this week. The first, of course, being um, we can't, we we can't we can't give people student loan forgiveness because how are we going to get get them to join the military? That was the worst. <laughs> that was the worst take. And everything will have to live up to that probably until the end of time. But it says Drew Locke failing to beat out Geno Smith further emphasizes that the Seahawks return in the trade of Russell Wilson is amongst the worst in league history. Wow. How do I feel about that?
1: I mean, it's pretty warm outside, but I am still feeling the heat from that from that tweet. <laughs> yeah, you it took know, you up six degrees, right?
2: Record heat all summer, and I'm not surprised that reporters in Phoenix are starting to see their brain melt.
0: Okay, so obviously uh, there's a lot of reasons why it's bad. One, it disregards two first-round picks, two second-round picks. Shelby Harris, who probably is actually the best player we got in the trade – and Noah Fant, who is the second best player we got in the trade. Uh, and then, in addition to that, um, let's talk about the quarterback situations. So today, the 53 man roster dropped. Geno Smith, of course, wins the starting job. Uh, he will be our starter, and Drew Locke was the only other quarterback to make the roster. The Jacob Eason experiment has ended. Thank goodness. It's the only one that went worse than the Drew Locke experiment. <laughs> so, so. And I, I want to make something clear. I think there's like a perception around that the people like us who were like really pushing for Drew Lock were we we thought there was a realistic chance that he might be good. No. Did you did either of you believe that there's like a, a more than like one in 20 chance that Drew Lock was actually going to be good?
2: Let's be extremely clear. I was far out on the corner in advance. You can look up the audio for it. I was like, man. I think people are saying that Drew Locke's like the thirtieth, the fortieth best quarterback, and I think he might be like the twenty second or twenty fifth. If you think that's yeah. a ringing endorsement of a quarterback, <laughs> what I'm saying, like they might get to the Jared Goff tier, then I'm not really sure what yeah. you could say. He, he might be, good. he might be better than
0: Jared Goff is about his uh, about his least less ring endorsement you can get from this podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I mean. There was just a small chance, right, Eric,
1: that Drew Locke had escaped a bad situation and that he could be the next Tannehill? There was a small chance, but as Kevin said, I mean, Kevin didn't have the ring endorsement It was more based on, you know, this is a guy that could be exciting. He could be something, but it's not going to be much of something. My outlook right. was like, I've already seen Gino. I already know what Gino can do. We're not going to win with Gino. If we make the playoffs, let's just say we make the playoffs. We're not going to go anywhere. It's not going to do anything but be like, well, I guess you we're want to the make playoffs. the
0: make the playoffs at, at nine and eight and then get yeah. killed with Geno Smith exactly. as our quarterback. Just get just get hammered. And so
1: the flip side of that, people will say, well, Eric, do you really think Drew Lockwood, you know, make the playoffs? It's like, I want to see what's there, because let's just say he is something like the 22nd best quarterback. That's something to build on at his age. And that's something that at least it's exciting to watch. Just
0: yeah, there was there was just a small chance that he was like Josh Allen or uh, Tannehill, and he just needed the right combination of coaches to kind of unlock his potential. Now, let's just say this: the Seahawks organizationally they wanted Geno Smith to win this job, right? Oh, Geno yeah. Smith. I mean they they started the race with Geno Smith in the front, right? Drew Locke had to go out there and beat Geno Smith. So, for one, Geno Smith didn't do anything bad. I mean, according to Pro Football Focus, he had the third highest rating of any quarterback uh, in the preseason. And I thought he made a lot of good decisions, even though, you know, there wasn't very many touchdowns. Uh, The offense was pretty stale, but, you know, they're also not showing anything. And he had a couple decent looking long passes that made me think, hey, maybe this guy won't totally suck. He'll just be really bad. And what we're looking for from Geno Smith this year. We're not looking for him to take us to the Super Bowl, like Eric said. Eric's like, is there any chance of that?
1: No, not at all. No,
0: no, none, none, not at all, right. And so Geno, we're not looking for that. We're looking for Geno Smith to keep us in games so our players are all engaged and growing, right? The young players on this roster need to get locked. They, They need to be locked in. They need to be engaged. And how do you do that? You keep the games close, right? And yeah, Geno Smith... This is what's going to happen. Geno Smith, we're going to have maybe 10 games this year where Geno Smith gets the ball. And we're one score or less, like, you know, seven points or less down. And there's like five minutes or less left in the game. And in those games, he's going to go like two and eight. Yep. And that's just who Geno Smith is. And that's fine because we want to go five and uh, what is it? Five and 12. Yeah if we want to go 5 and 12 i i hate the 17 game schedule i have to think about it's it every terrible. time i say something now but 5 and, we're going to go 5 and 12 and then we'll have a good opportunity to pick the quarterback of the future a puncher's 5 and 12 if you will and if you know if Gino smith if Gino smith outruns my expectations and becomes uh the real the real deal Holyfield and we make the playoffs. Well, that's probably good too, because we saw what happened with this team when they made a quarter, when they made the playoffs with a subpar quarterback, they were still able to turn the corner and figure it out. And we have plenty of draft capital to move up. You teams will not turn down us saying, Hey, can we have, we're picking, I don't know, 16th, 23rd and, uh,
2: 40 and we have a second order. round pick,
0: right? And Hey, do you want two first center and a, and a second? From this year's draft, so we don't have to give and give up future draft capital if we don't want to, uh, to for us to move up into the top five and get our quarterback. Te- a lot of teams probably would stare that down decision down and be like, "Hmm, that's that's very tempting, right? Maybe they yeah. do it, maybe they don't, but but that is, I think, something. There will be at least really... one team picking early that already has their quarterback too, right? Exactly. That that doesn't that's fine with moving down and letting teams because there's a well, lot that never of happens. interest
2: that only happened last draft with the Jaguars. Oh, wait,
0: well Last year last year exception because the quarterback this this year's the opposite of last year. Last year the quarterbacks were all bad, right? And Pickett did go in the first round, but a lot of teams, eh, right? They, they there was not a lot of good quarterbacks on the board. This year, next year, there are a lot of quarterback prospects that I think people are pretty excited about yeah. that are much more interesting and, you know, I started scouting them early this year because I want to uh I really want to be ahead of the game when we're 1 in 9. And we need something to talk about. So we'll save it for later. All right. So that's the quarterbacks running backs. We went with four Rashad Penny, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, Kenneth Walker. Um, That, that that's not too surprising. I think that there was a small chance that we had a fifth running back there. I was uh, really
1: kind of pulling out the, that we'd have, that we'd uh, hung on to, uh,
0: Oh, Darwin Thompson, no,
1: Darwin Thompson, I kept wanting yeah. to say Pharaoh and I'm like, that's not his name. Yeah. I thought Pharaoh I thought, Cooper, I thought, I thought Darwin Thompson had a decent enough showing uh, granted. I will be very disappointed if he's not on the practice squad.
0: Yeah. And then Josh Johnson, uh, we got to keep, he's on our, he's on the reserve injured list. So he's our, he's around still same with Ty Smith. Ty Smith is on the reserve injured list when, when I don't say his name later, you can remember that. So yeah, I think that that wasn't too surprising. I think the receiver groups were the first su- set of surprises came in. So the receivers we kept six: Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, D. Eskridge, Marquise Goodwin. I think those four were pretty. I we all would agree were pretty solid based on the way they played. Then the last two were Penny Hart and Derek Young. So first obvious cut is Freddie Swain, as uh, Kevin, as the uh, the conductor of the Swain train. I don't know, but I don't know the way to put it. The conductor of the Swain train. How did it feel? Uh, were you were you uh, were you disappointed that the Seahawks decided to keep,
2: you know, Penny Hart
0: slash Derek Young over over Freddie Swain? Or was that kind of what was that uh, not too big of a surprise to you?
2: You know, speaking on behalf of uh, of team Swain, um, Swain trainers. Yes. Uh, of. Uh, yeah. Speaking on behalf of the conductors um, of the of the Swain train, I. Uh, it's a little bit surprising in that we knew what his role was within the offense and what he was able to do. Um, I think what sunk him though, was he had as many drops in far fewer targets than, uh, than Dreek young and Freddie Swain's profile is a little limited. So bringing in somebody uh, like Dreek young who has this high level physical profile who then performs in a similar way in the preseason, it, it made it a, a harder path to the roster for Freddie Swain. And I think the team looks at Penny Hart and says that Penny Hart really balled out all preseason. And if he yeah, was going good. to earn his roster spot, like if, if always compete is the mantra, you kind of can't leave Penny Hart off. So if you're bringing Penny Hart in, then you need someone who's like more of a pure outside receiver and Swain's a little bit more of a slot receiver. I really felt like Swain was safe because of punt returning.
0: Like that was my biggest thing was like, there's just no way they're going to cut a guy who they listed first on the depth chart at the start of training camp. Right. At slot, And he's our number one punt returner. It just seemed unlikely to me, but D must be ready to go. That's the only thing I can think of is this, is it finally D Eskridge time, Eric? Are it is finally time. Gonna get to see D we got unleashed,
1: a, man. We got the fourth preseason game coming up next Monday. <laughs> Uh,
2: <laughs> no, uh, Followed I don't by think he's 16 gonna... more weeks of pre-season. Yeah, 16 more weeks. Uh, Counting them down. Eric stuck his head out of his house. He saw his shadow. He predicts 16 more weeks of preseason games.
1: It, it was the shadow that it looked like Gino Smith. That's why I'm going back in. <laughs> it's it's an unmistakable shadow. Gino would say so we all wet. know why. Um, Gino can't believe he's getting ripped on this podcast. Come on, guys. I thought we were friends. So uh, <laughs> I think I think the Etheridge is probably playing week three, maybe week two. But yeah, I mean, if anything, Pete's like, you know what? If we're going to suck this year. It's got to be proven time with D and we just got to roll him out there when he's, you know, when he's 100 percent, if he's, you know, it's kind of like what we did with the with our old friend of the Ferrari. Yeah,
0: it's a uh, it's interesting. It's a uh, it. We'll see what happens. I think I'm,
2: there's another factor on here, too, though.
0: I really hope I really hope D. May, I hope Swain gets back to the practice squad that way. When D Eskridge gets hurt, we just have the plug and play like <laughs> replacement ready to go. Like, hey, this guy also returns punts and plays in the slots. Here you go. You know, it's like it's not it's not going to be extra complex for us to try to replace D when he uh, inevitably goes down with the injury. I think D. Is on that the that makes
2: it easier though is that all four of our running backs can do kick and punt returns.
0: Yeah, sure, that is true. And uh, DJ Dallas has looked really good in the kick returns. Um, so okay, let's go to uh, let's go to running backs then Penny. Oh, wait, we did
1: running backs already, we didn't did we? we? did. Um, I already went it. CJ Poseyce, by the way, was uh, my Ferrari. No one caught that. But
0: Yeah, I, I think Rashad Penny is the Ferrari, dude. You got to <laughs> keep him on ice. Uh, get... <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Will Disley, Noah Fant, Colby Parkinson. That's not surprising. Um, that was not Those are the guys. Offensive line, Charles Cross, Abraham Lucas, Jake Curran, Stone Forsythe, Gabe Jackson, Damian Lewis, Phil Haynes, Austin Blythe, Kyle Fuller. I think there was a small chance Dakota Shepley might have snuck in as a tenth offensive lineman, but if they were gonna keep nine, this was the nine. Yep. Um one hundred percent. And so uh it'll probably be Cross and Lucas at tackle, and then it will be uh Fuller our Fuller backup center, uh Blythe starting center. We got um Sorry, my eye. My Lewis starting are, at guard. Right.
2: And the question is, will Haynes have been Haynes Jackson?
0: Or Jackson and then Curran will be backing up like swing tackle guard. He'll be like, um, who's the guy we had before Kevin that did that? Uh, Jamarco Jones, Jamarco Jones. Jake Curran is the new Jamarco Jones. However you feel about that. That's who he is. I always kind of like Jamarco Jones because he could play and not embarrass himself. And I think Jake Curran is exactly like that. He can play and not totally embarrass himself. I did not love the guard play in preseason, so I hope we keep him at tackle,
2: but whatever.
1: Do what you got to do. I I
2: would hope with our three deep at guard that it's more like swing tackle and break glass in case of emergency guard. Yeah, I
0: I would agree (laughs) 100%. All right. Defensive line, Puna Ford, Al Woods, Brian Monet, Miles Adams, who was the star of the preseason. If always compete, Kevin, you said earlier, if always competes the mantra, Penny Hart's got to make it. This is the poster child for that. Miles Adams, he's had the best preseason of any defensive player for the Seahawks. He won this job pretty definitively as a backup. And then Quentin Jefferson, Shelby Harris, and L.J. Collier. One more ride, baby. One more, One ride. more ride.
2: Can, I, talk, can I speak to Miles Adams real quick, put some numbers behind yeah. it? Go for it. Okay, so Miles Adams, we're all impressed watching him play. Um, he kind of has this like, he, he plays like a penetrating three technique in our old defense. But in this defensive role, he's playing kind of like a pseudo defensive end. He lines up like between the tackle and the guard. And he's doing this really good job of kind of splitting the gap and penetrating. But like a lot of times with younger players, they can get upfield and they don't have the awareness to to know what's going on. Uh, That what separates somebody who's good at that versus someone who's not as good at that is Miles Adams will split the block get up field, and then the dude made, what, six uh, six hurries, two sacks. He had seven run stops. He was extremely productive, um, which means that he's getting into the backfield, but he's not losing track of the play. He's showing the awareness of what's going on on the field, where he's chasing down the quarterback on a boot action, or he's stepping into the hole and then making the stop on the running back, or at least putting a hit on him and letting the linebackers catch up. So uh, it it was a really cool way to see him earn a spot because he didn't earn the spot by being, you know, the big washing machine tub of goo in the middle, which is kind of what you see from a lot of these UDFA types. He won it by being that get up the field, pressuring interior defensive pass rusher, which is a role that usually you have to like spend a decent asset on. Yeah. So one
0: thing is, is I I know this isn't a one to one comparison because this one player is a a more of a pure defensive end and Miles Adams is an interior uh, kind of pass rush down interior player. Right. But Michael Bennett, his first three seasons, one sack, one sack, four sacks. Sometimes these these pass rushers just take a while. Yeah. And in this case, sometimes they don't get enough time. Right. Like, I'm sure there are some players who got two seasons on a practice squad and maybe their development, if it would have continued, they would have made it. But NFL teams don't have time to just keep guys around. We kept this guy around since 2020. He has been around for a long time and he finally made it. The investment the Seahawks have made in miles Adams has kind of paid off and it's really great to see. I, I'm very happy for him. Good job. Miles Adams. Uh, keep it up. All right, Eric, we're going to linebackers. Okay. You want to do inside linebackers or outside linebackers? Well, first? I mean, uh, we're going to go through all three inside linebackers. Okay. This is interesting. Let's do inside yeah. linebackers first. Cause I, I think we gonna have a good conversation about this. Jordan <clears throat> Brooks cody barton and then nick Ballore. yes and that's that's it it. everyone else off the team get out of here okay what's cooking here eric there's only three inside linebackers here we're gonna line up with well two of these guys on a lot of plays probably what what's what's
1: going on uh three four rotation defensive ends jamal adams Ah, there you go. Okay. I see. All these things are playing into this. So Ryan Jones. Neal, Josh Jones, Jamal yeah, Adams don't kinda a,
0: sneaking into the
1: Josh, linebacker Josh, rotation. Joey Blunt getting a roster speed.
2: spot is something to keep an eye on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Josh Jones could actually be, I think, a, a decent player. Nick Ballora is When I saw him on there, I was like, uh, "It's not even like a guy you're gonna play all that much there."
0: No, they they basically need these safeties to rotate into linebacker to to make this defense work. So, so so yeah. So you think we're gonna? So if we see like Jamal Adams rotating down, we might see Quandre and Jones over the top uh, to kind of cover cover the the, maybe like a high
1: coverage. No, I was really I was when you said Quandre, I was like, "No, we're not gonna see Quandre." We might. I mean, Pete's got some crazy things up his sleeve. I think that he does want to compete at least on the defensive level. I think he knows that our offense is going to be dependent on what we can, you know, just squeeze by, what we can, like, you know, scratch, like, you know, shavings off the floor for points. Uh, Defense is his passion. Defense is what he's good at. I think that you're going to see things that we did not see in the preseason. I am expecting a better defensive showing during the season. Yeah, a lot of these, a
0: lot of these safeties did not play at all during the preseason. Jamal did not play one preseason game. Quandre did not play one preseason game. Neil did not play one preseason game, right? So these are important players that the seat that in the Seahawks defense
1: and they're all they're all didn't. uh and Maybe that's why they let Bobby go. Maybe it's just not. Maybe they're getting rid of the Leo. I don't know. Well, there's Andre, another
2: piece in this. Um, Andre
0: said he's the best. He's he's feeling the best he's ever felt, dude. It's gonna. he's, he's in the best shape great. of his life.
2: I, was yeah, gonna man. Say, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> so. Uh, if you listen to the beat writers, I know um, uh, Michael Sean Dugar and um, oh there was somebody else I heard it from uh, but Corbin uh, Smith could have uh, been I, I don't know uh, but there were a couple of beat writers who mentioned that um, in practices, uh, the closed practices you're not allowed to like say a whole lot about. There are some five DB sets utilizing multiple safe, uh three or more, like some five and six DB sets using three or more safeties. That um, is one of the packages that was being used a lot. Um, like clearly that's a big install they were doing and they didn't want to show it in the um, in the preseason. And what makes that make even more sense to me is a package like that would allow Jamal Adams to be your extra blitzer where you could have Mm -hmm. Jamal Adams blitzing from a hybrid linebacker position, because now if you have to drop a Jenna Nwosu or Darryl Taylor into coverage, that's not a liability. And so I could Mm -hmm. see a lot of sets like that where Jordan Brooks is our only linebacker on the field. Um, But it's it's an interesting, it'll be an interesting dynamic to watch on three.
0: I think three, three looks are going to be a big thing this year. They Mm -hmm. didn't do it in the preseason. I think they were hiding it. But I think you're right. Three three looks are going to be huge this season. Uh, We're going to see a lot of like Harris, Woods, Ford, and then behind them Taylor, Brooks, Nuosu, or Mafe, and just and then uh, like a whole mess of a whole mess of (laughs) defensive backs. (laughs) And the thing about it's cool about a lot of these defensive backs though, like Adams, Neal, even Tariq and like these guys are can all be extremely physical, right? Yeah. Exactly. I don't think we'll struggle. I don't think we'll struggle to to. Because the thing that can happen is if you put a bunch of defensive backs on the field, you can get killed in the run game. And I just don't think that all these these guys are guys that are just going to
2: get destroyed in the run game.
0: Maybe if we go up again, do we play the Titans again this year? That could be a problem. <laughs> but if, no, but I think they, the
2: 49ers are probably the bigger worry out of what we have to or what we're actually facing. What we're actually going to face. Yeah. Tonight, yeah. Since so, they run so much. But then they do a lot of their outside runs, especially you got to figure with Trey Lance. So this might yeah. be a set that's equipped to stop that.
0: We just need to see Ta- Taylor and Nwosu really setting that edge, right? Not letting themselves get get washed into the middle of the play. Mm-hmm. That that's that kind of stuff will matter a lot. Okay, let's go to out, the outside linebackers. I already said most of their names, but Taylor, oh, Nwosu, Mafe, Robinson, and Onujogu. Um, So obviously Josh and Onojiogu impressed enough that they did not think they could sneak him on t- into uh, the practice
2: squad the framing Framingham State Legend. I was about to say you can't just uh you know have someone coming out of the, the hollowed football halls of Framingham Un- State University and uh, what state what to- Eric what state <laughs> is
0: what state is framing Framingham? Oh uh the Massachusetts. You think it's Massachusetts? Yeah, that is I a get, good guess. Uh, I'm going, that is, I'm a going a really, that is a really, really good guess. It is Framingham, Massachusetts. Yes! School school motto. Uh, Live to the truth. Uh, Live to the truth. The donkeys, bro. Huge, Won't huge space. They got a huge space grant, so there's space. a lot of space stuff. Fight. Yeah, let's. 56 mean, percent women. Good for, good for Josh. All right, so that's from Massachusetts. <laughs> lots of space. <laughs> All right, well, so there's a minimum three point. I don't think there's tonight. much to say about this. This outside of America. I mean, Onojiogo is a little bit of a surprise. I think he was competing against like Doncor and other guys that are fringe guys anyway when radigan got sent to the pump the pup with Tyreeks and then Tyreek smith got put on the ir that really opened up space for for us to keep one of these project guys and uh Onojiogu beat out donkor for that kind of the, that project guy spot and uh, good for him all right it's cool i we i like having these guys on the back of the roster because much like miles adams something might come of it a year or two from now right you might get the finally get that payoff um that you put the work into the into the player. All right, corners. Sidney Jones, Mike Jackson, Tariq Willen, Artie Burns, Kobe Bryant, John Reed. Uh, you, you heard it, Eric. Justin Coleman is missing.
1: Yeah, as we thought. I mean, <laughs> is he cooked? You you, you said he was – we said he was cooked. He I think you said cooked. he was toast. Yeah, he, you said he was toast. Yeah, and <laughs> then Kevin said you missed a fine – I can't – what did I miss? Uh, a joke I missed because you know, I'm tired on Tuesdays sometimes. He's, he's burnt bread. Justin Coleman <laughs> – God rest your soul. You shouldn't have left here, but you should have. So you got paid. Congratulations. You're out.
2: I in uh, a Coleman outdoor stove. I think,
0: Jeff. I think what Eric said, like last time we talked about <laughs> Justin Coleman was he said, you said like when he left, he started to get worse. And when he came back, it wasn't like he recaptured the, yeah. <laughs> the magic. Well, I mean, let's face it.
1: Sometimes you're, you're better in a certain system. You're better with players. You're better with coaches. Than other coaches, players, and systems, and I don't know. Maybe we didn't pay him because Pete was like, eh, "This guy's probably not going to be good in a year or two. Um, Regardless, uh, he's lost a step. Or I, I salute you, Justin Coleman. Congrats on your retirement. You you did some things. I,
0: I think he'll be. Someone will probably pick him up. I think that that's a it's a kind of established veteran that finds his way onto the back end of a roster at some point this year.
2: That Mike uh, Jackson gets, story is really good. Yeah,
0: Mike Jackson, another yes. player where we. We uh, we we developed him a little bit over the last season, um, picked him up. He's I think he was on three different practice squads before that Dallas, Detroit, and then New England. Right. 25 years old out of Miami. Um, It's got to be hard to have the name Mike Jackson.
2: Uh, The other thing is, so this is a guy I remember scouting coming out in the draft that year, and we were definitely going to be picking corners. He like measurables wise, like he's a little on the slower end for his 40 time, but his measurables are very Seahawks. And so he got a little bit of seasoning and ended up on on the squad. And he's a really good fit. Ninety
0: fifth percentile weight, 70th percentile height, really long arms, 85th percentile. He ran a pretty fast 40, 64. I mean, and of course, garbage in the three cone percent 16%, <laughs> 16th percentile. You're right, Kevin. That is Seahawks athlete right there. Good in every, really good jumper too. Uh, really good in everything, trash in the three cone. Uh, other, this is the thing that I well, think is really physical when I at, too. when I look at mock draftables is you look at what circles does it have the most in common with, right? What's the most comparable? Number one, Patrick Sertain. Jeff Okuda, Lonnie Johnson, Jalen Ramsey, Akela Witherspoon. These are all guys that I think the Seahawks would love to have. So (laughs) yeah, it's it's the perfect kind of, it's the kind of perfect developmental prospect for us to get in the system and then hope we can churn him out into a good outside corner. He may have um, put himself in the mix now for outside corner snaps because this is, it's competitive out there uh, on the other side of Tariq Woolen. I think Tariq Woolen has, the the team has fallen in love. They are are smitten with Tariq Woolen.
2: I There's mean that just, upside's
1: undeniable. Yeah, it makes sense.
0: Hearts in the eyes, they love him and just look at him and you'll know why. Clear eyes, full heart, Trekwolins. Yeah. Heart.
2: You want to see a mock draftable circle. <laughs> this kid, <laughs> this kid Mike, this kid has... Tariq Woolen's, uh uh <clears throat> Tariq mock draftable circle is just Pete's face with his fingers doing the little so, heart thing. Right. In so front it's of his honestly
0: <laughs> almost a perfect circle. It's like 92, 99, 97, 99, 90, 92, 97. But his hands are, sm- are not, his hands are just average 48th percentile. It's like, so I would have done those. Receiver. If he, if he wasn't, if he would have done those stupid hand stretches, <laughs> like, uh, like Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett, if you don't know, he picked up like a quarter of an inch between the combine and the pro day because of apparently hand stretches and so, Finger and I logo. did this, I did the hand thing that you're supposed to do to measure your hands. And I will say it, it kind of made my hand hurt when I really stretched it out. And I was like, okay, I could see why people stretches might actually help you with this. Um, cause it, Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, this kind of doesn't feel super great. Um, so yeah, good, uh, good. I really like this cornerback group. It, it lacks the, um, the proven starter, right? You'd love to have a guy like a, like a, of course, like the 2015 version of Richard Sherman or whatever. But there's a lot of upside here, and the floor is really high too. Um, Reed, yeah. Kobe, Tariq, Artie Burns, Sidney Jones, Mike, uh, Jackson. That's just a good high floor group of corners that are going to provide solid play. And if Tariq can make the leap, or if Artie Burns kind of can recapture the magic, this group could really fly. Or if Trey Brown comes off the pup and just tears it up,
2: it's another guy that that's, you know, he's there. He didn't, we didn't cut Trey Brown. He's just on the... The yeah, that's tough. the thing. If it's Artie Burns ends up, up taking the other outside job away from Sidney Jones, who's been kind of injured, man, Artie Burns and Tariq Woolen on the outside—that is a pair of burners. Like those are that—that's one of the fastest cornerback tandems in the NFL. Like the makeup speed is incredible, and they're both guys like that, like and they don't lack for size. So because no, a lot of times solid. you get like those fast guys, but they're five ten. Yeah. When I I looked
0: at Artie Burns's uh, like combine stuff when when we signed him, and it was like not crazy, it was it was solid, not spectacular. Um, I remember his bench press was really bad. I don't know why he did the bench press if it was gonna be so bad. Like if you are gonna, you should know before you do that how many times you are gonna be able to get it up, right? So if you are gonna do bad, just don't don't do it. (laughs) Just just say like I I pass, I am good. But whatever. Okay, Uh, corners look good, and then the safeties. Jamal Adams, Ryan Neal, Quandre Diggs, Josh Jones, Joey Blunt. The name, notable name missing here, Marquise Blair. Marquise Blair
2: um, well, I mean, couldn't get his
0: head on straight. Missed a lot of tackles. Eric, please uh, eulogize
1: <laughs> Marquise. Marquise. Y'all know how me. much I loved Marquise Blair his rookie year. Uh, penalties, uh, troubles tackling, uh, injuries. That's a recipe for getting cut. Marquise Blair, you were uh, you were the chosen one. You were going to be the next. uh, You are the chosen one. Thank you, the next (laughs) Ken Hamlin esque player, and instead, uh, you did not get hit with a stop sign.
0: It was. uh, It was. I was actually going to. I was actually going to make you guys pick your biggest disappointment of the preseason and then just play that drop over and over. But you got me to it early, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's tough. That Marquis Blair had positional flexibility that a lot of these guys on this roster, I feel like right now, don't. Right. There's just not as much positional flexibility, but it didn't matter. Didn't but save being him. Being bad too at three many...
2: positions doesn't earn your he made
0: too many mistakes, man. You just cannot screw up that much. And I don't know if it's that he needed to learn too much that he doesn't talk because I've heard that he's very, <laughs> he just doesn't say very much or what. But yeah, that, that we thought that him and Amadi coming out together might be something special. And it just turns out that it was a whole lot of disappointment. Congrats to Ugo, by the way. He did make Tennessee's final fifty-three. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty cool. Which is Uh, pretty cool. That's his that's his hometown team too, which is pretty cool. That's cool. So, all right. So,
2: quick, quick thing on Blair. Okay. So, uh, I think I think the issue is (laughs) that he can either be aggressive, or he can um, do his job, but he cannot do his job aggressively. Like if you watch the in the Dallas game, it was like all backups all the time on defense, right? Mm-hmm. And you saw people that were selling out to make plays. Um, and that's how, you know, uh, Miles Adams put himself over the top to make the roster. Um, you saw dudes that are playing edge and were playing really hard. Mike Jackson was out there, like, you know, lay- bringing the lumber to every hit. And you saw Blair, he would try and come streaking in to make the big hit. And, like, the running back would just go right past him because he was too focused on, like, blitzing the quarterback. Or Mm -hmm. he's the one who gave up the touchdown in the back of the end zone um, after one of the interceptions because he ran out to get on the uh, running back in the flats when the linebacker was already there and left the dude in the back of the end zone wide open. I just feel like he could not both play up to his speed and diagnose effectively at the same time. Like he just could never use his play speed.
0: All right, so let's do it. Biggest disappointment of the preseason, and if you already talked about it enough, you don't have to explain it very much. But Eric, who's your biggest disappointment this preseason? Who let you down the
1: most? Uh, Ugo and Marquise, just the the two, the secondary. It it hurt my feelings a little.
0: Yeah, safety. That safeties, we just felt like they had a lot of potential. A lot of safeties
1: didn't play, like you said earlier. And so why? So why couldn't you shine? Why couldn't
2: you (laughs) shine?
0: All right. uh, Kevin, who let you down the most in the preseason this year? Who would you have high
2: hopes for that just didn't didn't do it? You know what? I was all aboard the Swain train. I thought he could really put himself in the running to be not just like the third wide receiver, but the third option in the passing game. Uh, I really had hoped that he would kind of take a step in his route running to become a guy. And instead, he's a guy that's not on the roster.
0: Should have made a choo choo train drop before the podcast started. Big, big mistake. Um, I'm gonna go with Drew Locke. Drew Locke really let me down in the in this preseason. And you know, you can say like, oh, the COVID, you know, and stuff like that. Don't make excuses. Um, let's talk, let's let's dissect his last game and hashtag and lock talk three three interceptions. So the first one a lot of people are saying, well, Eskert should have came back to that ball. And while I do agree with that statement, you can throw that ball in a position where only Locke, only D can make the catch. It's a, it, it's the thing that, that with Locke that drove me nuts when I was watching him as we, after we got him, which is he just throws with his arm. So it's not super accurate, even though he's throwing pretty hard, he's really kind of chucking it. He has like good velocity on the ball, but he, he's inaccurate because he just doesn't plant his feet and really like get into his throwing motion. He just kind of uses all
1: arm and he was born out of era. This is like Brett Favre. He, (laughs) uh, Quick observation: 2.0. He looks like second year on the Seahawks, Matthew Hasselbeck. I watched the, a lot of Matthew Drew Hasselbeck, Jeff
2: George, Locke. The second,
0: so the first pick, maybe you could say like he's already lost the job at this point. But he goes down, he gets a touchdown right away, and I think at that point he's put himself back and in that the mix. Was a dime just,
2: to penny hard too.
0: He just he just needs to like keep that momentum going. He drops back, he reads the defense, reads incorrectly. He reads man, it's zone, throws it directly to a defensive back. And in, in this case too, like where he throws it directly to the defensive back, if he reads the field, there are like three guys open on the other side of the field too.
2: He was so, staring down Penny yeah. Hart the whole
0: time. The I'm not uh, and, and uh, misreading the coverage. It's like well, inexcusable. The
2: corner, well, I, he was staring him down so hard, the corner dropped off of Derrick Young on the outside to close in on that pass because it was so obvious where drew lock was going. The whole stadium knew.
0: Yeah. It just, uh, really. So they made a zone. They went into the zone and then, yeah, like I said, drew a red man and thought that he would keep running. Did not interception really bad interception. The kind of interception that I think Pete would, there's no excuse for it. The first one, you can make a small excuse, although he should have done better. The, this one terrible. It's a zero out of 10. And then, uh, the third yeah, one he, he, got, he,
2: got Fuller cut.
0: <laughs> third one, third one is not totally Drew's fault, but I mean he's chasing at this point because he needs to make big plays to try to to try to get himself back in the mix. And I just think at that point he'd already lost it. There was no chance. All right, um, favorite guy, Eric. Who's your favorite guy? Who impressed you the most? Who made who warmed your heart this preseason? Who are you excited to see make the team and uh and really get playing uh on the football field this year?
1: I mean, can I can I pick a can I pick a rookie?
0: Yeah, pick anyone you want. I this just, is a I I real open-ended question.
1: <laughs> uh, Abe Lucas. I, I oh, just, yeah. I Abe Lucas I have to is. Mine. Oh, okay. Abe Lucas That's is. Good. That means it's a great pick. <laughs> a he's great a little pick. rough. He's a little rough. Absolutely, but man, I. Uh, it's not going to be a bad year of Seahawk football record wise. It's going just to be pancaking a, people. Out it's going to be man. a bad year of Seahawk football. But if you like football and you like looking for good things and promising things, Abe Lucas is one of the things to watch. Uh, he's going to serve you up slop jalops like IHOP, pancake and fools all over
0: the A hundred percent. The thing that was exciting about Abraham Lucas to me is like, you never really saw him because I think it was because of the, the wide splits or whatever, like be this physical at WSU. And he's just, he is physical out there, man. He can be a physical monster. And I just, I love that. It's I like, he read that. all the scouting reports. He is like, Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. You'll see. All right. Uh, Kevin, what are you what are you, what was your uh, who warmed your heart this, this uh, man? Pre-season? I was
2: really looking forward to talking about Abe Lucas, so I uh, you, you can add. I mean, we already said everything, kind of. So, yeah, so, yeah, well, <laughs> then I, I already said everything about Miles Adams too, so I think <laughs> nah, double down, double down on Miles Adams. I, I think I'm going to pick a pick different pick. guy though.
1: Go ahead. And take I'm going to talk Kevin. about
2: Uchenna Nwosu. <laughs> Gino Smith. I like Eric. that pick, Kevin.
1: I like that pick, Kevin.
2: So okay, Uchenna Nwosu. Uchenna Nwosu is a guy I was um, moderately happy about coming over from. Uh, the chargers. He's that one of those guys that's been on the verge of a breakout season every season of his career, Uh, a prospect that I thought was pretty interesting, a really good system fit. But what I wasn't anticipating was dude looks like really comfortable out there in coverage. Um, And if we can get more than one person tackling, uh he is really effective for the like kind of swarm tackling we use in the run game yeah. just every time i all, saw him out there he was a really good fit for what we want from that position all three work.
0: of his missed tackles he really slowed the guy down mm-hmm. but then like he needed someone else to come over and finish and i when brooks is there there's no chance yeah we like, have brooks the safeties
2: out there and everything yeah exactly
0: he really got dinged uh parred by a lot of people i think for the missed tackles but he was pretty solid otherwise he had three pressures and only like I don't know what it was. a twenty three pass rush snaps. It's not too bad. Uh, you'd like to see him get like maybe one or two more, and then the the two run stops as well. I played solid in the run game. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. Uh, I could pick like ten guys. I'm going right. to say Charles Cross. Charles Cross so is um, football porn for nerds. Like it, it's he doesn't make mistakes. He just does things. He's so perfect. It's hard to fathom. It is like it's difficult to. Some okay, I said this before the draft, and I'm glad that it's still a thing, which is that some guys just know how to play football in a way that it's almost like it's like a superpower, right? And a couple guys I talked about that I thought felt like had this superpower were Cross and Tyler Linderbaum, and uh, it's it's still true for Cross. I have not watched enough Linderbaum to know if it's true for him. Kevin, is Linderbaum tearing it up in the preseason?
2: I have not been watching a lot of Ravens preseason games, so yeah, I cannot tell
0: you. I, um I didn't gamble on any preseason this year, too. I was I, I lowered my degeneracy yeah. a little bit. Which <laughs> or I, raised it. I'm not really sure how that I, works if I'm i appreciate a uh, Probably pretty good. Uh so it looks like he sixty point nine on PFF in nice. nine offensive snaps. So looks like he won the job in training camp and they didn't really play him. Okay. Um Charles Cross. Uh, he just understands the position as good as you can possibly understand it. And on top of that, he's a really good athlete. Um, I don't think he's like a significantly better athlete than Abe Lucas. I do think he's better, but it's not like a huge gap. What he understands that Lucas and a lot of other guys don't Mm -hmm. is how to play the position basically perfectly. Right. When they, there was plays where I think, um, it was a Baldy's breakdown, right? Or was it Baldinger or was it, um, was it uh There's been a was few because
2: Samuel Gold had a breakdown. Baldinger had a breakdown. Baldinger's was the... No, it was... Um, a, it was, um, was the outside... No, it was state. the guy
0: who used to... It was the guy, Mitchell Schwartz, I think, yep. maybe. Schwartz had the and, breakdown against the uh, Dallas State... No, Jeff Schwartz. Yeah, Jeff Schwartz, where he was tapping the the spoon against the screen. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh. And yeah, like, they the Seahawks Just left Charles... Cookie, Leave him alone. They left Charles Cross in a difficult situation where he had to make a read and there's two players and he's responsible for both of them right and he has to make sure that he blocks the guy who's coming there's an outside linebacker and an inside linebacker and they're going to play a game with him because it's a rookie and you know you want you want to bait him so the middle linebacker comes up tries to bait him and then Cross has to recover and he gets his arm on the uh, on the defensive end and really makes makes it so that Gino has time to throw just barely and it's just like it's an example of this guy just understands how to play football in a way that most most guys don't, and it's gonna it's gonna make the Seahawks way better in this year and the f- next four years. It's having a guy like this at left tackle for the next five years. You know, knock on knock on your nearest uh, piece of wood so that he doesn't because injuries are the only thing that can stop him. He is excellent at his position.
2: I'm gonna put a big name out there. It reminds me of watching Big Walt, where I don't he, think he's the athlete Big Walt was. Because I that's, I that's, that's like no one is. <laughs>
0: that's what made big. That's what made Big Walt the goat. Yeah, and I don't know if athlete. Charles. I don't think Charles Cross will ever be the... He could be. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think he'll ever be the GOAT like like uh, Wall but was. But Wall played the position same, perfectly, like the same thing. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's that same thing where, like, if you know what you're looking at, you realize how hard what he just did is. Like, oh, he just bench pressed a 280-pound guy into his offensive guard and then caught a speed rushing 240-pounder off the edge. And you're like... That like that, the physics behind that are incredible. But because his like his kick slide and everything are so smooth, it looks like he's just not putting in a ton of effort. He's just, oh, yeah, you just block this guy. Oh, I'll just shuffle over here and, you know, put a hand on this guy. It's fine.
0: All right. So this is my last preseason note, and it is one. If no one hires Michael Bennett to do sideline or color this season, it is a crime. Yep. we should put fox executives and cbs executives and the amazon prime executives in prison for that he is so good he's funny he's personable he's insightful it's just it's unreal how good he did uh on a guy that's you know by the third game the one by the game against the cowboys he was unequivocally excellent
1: yeah, killing what, it
0: at what he was doing. And I I just I really enjoyed Michael Bennett um as the like color sideline analyst guy. The I don't know what you call that guy, the, the Booger <laughs> McFarlane. That's what that's that's who I always think of. I think of Tony Saragusa, rest in peace. And uh and Booger McFarlane as those guys that were on the sideline. Yeah, Mike uh, B and kinda... Real
2: Rob were both really good. Mike B like kind of had an idea, right? Yeah, but, but like Real Rob was, was solid. I I like I liked him. I didn't think he was
0: like the goat. Like I'm like, I'm hyping Michael Bennett up. He's like amazing. Rail Rob was super
1: solid though. Like, no, no, no knock on him. He was great. He's better than a lot of those, you know, seventh announcing teams. You don't want Troy Aikman. Oh, you I don't better. want, I don't want, he's the number one team and he's terrible, <laughs> but I mean, come on, like I and Eagle and stuff in There's... a world
2: where a keep to leave has a weekly job doing it. I don't see why Real Rob doesn't. And might be offers something that the, the, the thing is though, I think networks have trouble with a guy like Mike B because if you don't let him say what he's going to say, then he's just going to go on social media and say, you didn't let him say it. And if you do let him say what he's going to say, then you need to be ready for somebody who's going to be real. But I, but it connects with fans in such a way they should understand. Like that's what people want during a game. Just like really like wonderful to watch. I agree.
0: The, uh, Oh, yeah. Seahawks legend Jimmy Garoppolo. I think like there was a lot <laughs> of sentiment around that people thought we were getting Jimmy G for sure. Gross. And um, two things about that. One, props to, uh, to Pete for immediately announcing who the starter was after the game. <laughs> yeah? Yes. Thank God. I did not have to like think about it for and also argue with people about it or anything. Because at that point after that game, I was like, it's Gino. It's got to be Gino. There's no way. You can not you don't have a take care of the ball Thursday or whatever and then not have Gino and then not have Gino Smith win that computer. Don't that throw
2: on. stupid interception Saturday.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just think it's um, it's it's great that he announced right away. And then J- Jimmy G, way to do the 49ers a solid. I hate you. I mean, I don't even <laughs> care that we don't get him because like I don't think he's that much better than Gino. He's definitely better. Don't get me wrong. I think we would win three more football games, maybe even more. But that's than, not appealing uh, to me. <laughs>
1: and
0: <than, than>, every <laughs> time we win,
1: we get like a, you know, two dollars off a foot long on subway. It'd be terrible.
0: But uh but yeah, sure, Jimmy G makes us better because he's like the twentieth best quarterback in the NFL or whatever. But it's that what he did for the 49ers was weird to me. I guess He's afraid that he's going to get cut and then the contract he would have got would be less than the one that he got from the 49ers but i just can't imagine that and maybe he just really thinks trey lance is going to fail but he hasn't been there in practice they just basically kicked him out they wouldn't let him see the they wouldn't let him see the playbook they wouldn't let him come to practice that situation is so odd to me they handled it exceptionally poorly which makes me happy because it's the 49ers yeah and but- it, it's not going to look good for other free agents i don't think It's it's so weird that what they did, man, you you have this asset that people definitely want. We saw it because someone got something for Baker Mayfield this offseason. Someone got something for Carson Wentz this offseason. That's incredible. People definitely wanted quarterbacks that were, you know, the 20 to 30th best quarterback in the NFL. That, That wasn't a thing that some teams were looking for and they got nothing for him. Couldn't figure out a way to to make the make that work. Now they have they've undermined their young quarterback too, which is an exceptional misstep in my opinion. Yep. you can't you can't undermine Trey Lance like this. Like w- Jimmy G is going to be standing on the sideline, and everything, something bad happens, Trey Lance is going to be looking over his shoulder. That's horrible. That's horrible for his mentality. Like cut getting rid of Jimmy G and making sure that Trey Lance feels confident that he can make a mistake and keep the job is, I think, paramount to. To Trey Lance making it because he has so little experience, he's going to make mistakes, and so I just I don't know. I'm I'm hey man, my prediction I'm, is I, so far so good. I I feel bad for Trey Lance, but I'm happy because it, it's happening to uh, my least favorite NFL <laughs> franchise, so yep. they can mismanage uh, uh, as many situations as uh, as they want. All right, uh, Patreon. There are many ways to support. Is there anything else? Did I miss something? I just want to make sure I didn't. I don't think that's so. all that's all my show notes. <laughs> uh, okay. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest Podcast. The best way to do so head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and for as little as a dollar twenty-four a month, get in the Discord. There is one more Fantasy Football League drafting on Monday, the 5th. If you want to get in there, uh just go in the fantasy football channel in the Discord. Join up. Uh, we got, man, thanks for the supporters, Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, do it all for the Tucci, Evan, Flocktimus Gavin, Greta, James, Jose, Lucas, Braddad, Nikki C, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Washington Fist Quest. check it out on YouTube, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brendan, and Nick. Oh, man, there's so many. Okay, the, uh... oh. Yeah. Movie club. Right. Guys, I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> My brain's working good. All right. Movie club today. Uh, it is the Jaws is coming back to cinemas this weekend. Uh, I highly suggest if you've never seen it on a big screen, check it out. They're remastering it. Um, even just the remastered sound would be really cool. will be really cool in a theater. Yes. In addition to that, this Saturday, most theaters in the nation are doing some kind of $3 ticket thing all day. Have you heard about this? I've heard about this. Didn't know if yeah. it was yeah. real. No, it is real. So there is some there is a $3 movie ticket day on September the 3rd. Generally Labor Day is a really garbage weekend for box office. No one releases new movies there. You see these re-releases like Jaws and Spider-Man's coming back to theaters this this week. Um, um, a lot of theaters are also doing $3 popcorn, $3 sodas. So you might be able to take your whole family to the theater for like less than 50 bucks, which is impossible. <laughs> in a normal in a normal weekend. So yeah, go check out Jaws or whatever movie you want to see. Uh, maybe you want to see Top Gun for the fourth time. But I thought it'd be cool to honor Jaws and do a fade five because Jaws is one of the all-time great movies, uh, the horror of the unseen threat. Um, one thing I love that in a lot of monster movies, a lot of thrillers, a lot of stuff like this, um, they don't always show the monster right away or they show it very little. And there's reasons for that. Sometimes it's the movie's low budget. Jaws, Jaws is an example like this, the shark looks kind of crappy if you really look at it. <laughs> so, so they don't want to put it on screen too much. Right. Cause it doesn't look super awesome. Also, it didn't so, work
2: for the entire shoot. That was another, right. It's, yeah. it's broken.
0: <laughs> so, so they're like, okay, how do we, how do we, you know, how do we create this sense of horror without showing the thing that's going to cost us a ton of money or like that? So Jaws is a great example. First of all, we have to start with this. Should Jaws be in the fave, in the fave five? What do you guys think?
1: I, I kind of lean yes. It's a Spielberg movie. It's it's kind of started the genre. It's uh it is a good movie. It really it also is. Also
2: started the blockbuster genre.
1: Roy Schneider's great. Um I'm I'm all for it. I'm good with yeah. it being, being a consensus
2: pick.
0: All right. So I'm I'm fine with it too. What, what do what, what what do I love about about Jaws? Um it's awesome. <laughs> do I need to say any more? There's some the grizzled shark hunter aspect of it. With uh where just
2: this bigger boat whites of their
0: eyes. Like there's just so many um so many stuff like that. And it's I mean the number one I feel like the number one letterbox review really sums it up is the tragic story of a bunch of alcoholics who hunt down and murder a fish for the crime of being really, really hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just it really is though. It's a wow. it's um it's this this lost and distressed fish just uh getting hunted down. Um got the disgraced uh, oceanographer guy trying to regain his cachet Richard Dreyfuss is awesome in this movie yeah
2: Robert Shaw yeah. is really good as Quint yeah yeah I, so, I tend to yeah. agree the other thing is um like it's it's the movie that kind of showed you could go bigger budget on this concept and like and it could make enough money to be worth it I think it kind of paved the way for a type of movie that was dying out a little bit. These were more popular in like the fifties by the seventies. They kind of died out a little bit that this allowed it to come back. It was the the big budget summer,
0: not big budget, but the spectacle summer spectacle movie, right? Yeah. This is a summer spectacle. See it on the biggest screen you can. Um, takes I will place say
1: during the summer. That's important um,
0: spoiler alert. If you've never seen Jaws, I don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> Good jump scares uh, too. mute mute for like five seconds. But when when Robert Shaw dies, a uh, legitimate emotional moment.
2: You don't uh, think it's going to happen
0: after everything yeah, you, that happened. Yeah. It's just, you just don't think it's going to happen, man. It's like legit um, sucked. And yeah, I think the remaster is going to be awesome. So I, I'm, I might see it. I'm thinking about it. I haven't decided. It depends on how ready I am for the first day of school <laughs> by, the, <laughs> by, the, by the end of the weekend. If I feel really good about it, I'll go see it. If I don't, then I'll blow it off. Uh, yeah. Jaws, Jaws is great. Basically uh, a perfect film. All right. Then that means we got to do one each and then one more consensus. So do you want me to go first? Go yeah. first. All right. In the distant future, spaceship Hunter Gratzner is transporting passengers in cryostasis. Do you know what movie this is? Do you guys know? It's pitch black. Okay. Oh, pitch black. Pitch bla- Whoa. Okay. Um, pitch, pitch black. The first movie in the, uh, Chronicles of Riddick trilogy. Um, I love the, the, the thing that's, this movie is, uh, uses the dark so well um and then the the planet then they get to the the they when they land there now we got the three suns that keep it in perpetual daylight uh and there's just uh, i don't know this movie when they get into the dark places it's
1: it's hits on a nice level for me the the tension (laughs) of them figuring out what the planet is going to do is my favorite part because they go into like that station and there's like a it's like a model or something that kind of shows the rotation of the sun. And they're kind of like, this isn't right. This is weird. This isn't this doesn't this isn't what is what happens with a planet. And they sl- yeah, they figured out they fig- when
0: late. they figure out the when they figure out the eclipse is going to happen. And they're yes. like, oh, no, we need to get some power cells for our ships or we're going to die.
2: Yeah. The mistrust between characters.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're, they're all um, they're all criminals or whatever, right? They're
1: they're they're. Uh, and a so creepy there, there's a Cole Hauser,
0: <laughs> very creepy, uh, Cole Hauser. I like how he starts out posing as a cop and then <laughs> <laughs> and he st- he's still a cop at the end of the movie. Okay. Um, I really like this movie though. And I think it's, it's cool. You know, the, the monsters are hiding in the dark kind of thing. So, all right, that's my pick pitch black. It was hard. I wanted to go shoot higher, but, uh, I just like pitch black a lot. So I, I wanted to give it, give it props. Um, just dropping the way they're, they're dropping just this, this small tight group into a group of bloodthirsty monsters in the darkest suite. Okay, uh, let's go, Kevin. Kevin, you're up.
2: Okay, I was caught between a pair of movies, um, but I think I figured out which one I want. So there are two movies that I really draw direct lines to when it comes to the origin of the slasher like subgenre. Um, I give a lot of credit to Peeping Tom from 1960. But mm-hmm. one that establishes a lot of shots, a lot of stylistic things, um, and is just a really all around well done horror movie is 1974's Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, this mm-hmm. is one where uh, a lot of the best shots from like the early Friday the 13th and uh, Halloween movies are pulled from Black Christmas, where it's, you know, um, you're looking out through the eyes of the killer's mask uh you're seeing yeah you're not
0: you're not directly seeing the killer, but you're seeing the killing. Yeah, um, and the it's, killer's it's like point the famous of view. shot from, it's like the famous shot from Psycho where the blood hits the hits the uh, hmm. the yeah. shower curtain yeah, shower or whatever curtain. it's exactly it's the same same idea. Yeah.
2: And so um also you know, it's got a lot of very talented and sassy actresses uh, it kind of uh it subverts a genre that didn't really exist that much yet because like you have kind of the final girl concept and this takes that in a different direction and it does something else with the characters. So it, it almost, yeah, it almost pre subverts its own genre, which is something I appreciate. If you haven't seen black Christmas, I suggest putting on your October watch list. Um, if you like slashers at all, it's a really good classic slasher.
0: Um, all right, Uh, Eric, what's your bit, what's your big pick here?
1: This is hard cuz you know immediately I'm like, "Uh, oh, what kind of movies I mean, do I like any of these and they all kind of flood in." So, I was going to really make Kevin Madden pick The Viviche cuz I really like okay. that movie. I don't care what you guys say. Uh, I I, like was it. Also, I actually uh, like
2: The Vivich. it's Lighthouse I didn't like.
1: I was going yeah, to The, the is the one I would also trash on. <laughs> go with Hereditary. Okay. Um because I just think that's really well shot and there's a lot of, you know, I don't know, a lot of weird, weird things upon rewatching that movie, but I'm going to pick a movie that I don't know anyone's ever seen here. Um, one of my, you know, middle of the day horror movies in the fall that I just put on to see if it's any good. It's from like 2015 maybe. Uh, it's called uh, Altitude. <laughs> okay. And have you guys seen this? It's basically, it's in a plane, and it's like a Cessna plane, and that's where most of the movie takes place, and these, uh, these youths, these youths, uh, you know, girls and guys are in this plane. They're flying. Um, the, one of the girls is a pilot, I believe. And, uh, they basically, they've been flying for a while. They go through these clouds and like, man, we've been flying for a while. These instruments aren't working. And they realize that more or less, they get into another dimension. They don't know how, but the threat that is chasing them isn't this other dimension that they can't get out of it's like a Cthulhu creature in the sky oh, with them. All right. And you don't, you see it at the very end and it's, it's, it's well done. And it's also not well done, but Christ. as you Eric, see it,
2: I need to congratulate you for abusing, getting your own pick in this the most that anyone ever has. Oh, it's like, t- half off mov- to you, sir. This movie is, it's decent, no, I'm not though. even mad. This is, no, this I just, is perfect.
1: It's a Way movie that I had to put it in here. <laughs> Cause it's uh. You okay. just see like I'm... tentacles in the sky and you're like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Al- Altitude
0: 2010. Ah, uh, okay. Two, two, 2.2 on Letterboxd, but not very many reviews. Yeah, it's uh, like basically no one has seen this movie. a mysterious
2: malfunction sends their small mm-hmm. plane climbing out of control, a rookie pilot and her four teenage friends find themselves trapped in a deadly showdown Mutes. with a supernatural force. Yes. And uh, is it is it well acted?
1: At times it's fine. At times it's not fine. But I was so captivated, like I could not do anything but watch like, what is this thing? And it was it was fun. And I'm putting it in there.
2: Studying Surrey, British Columbia zone, Jessica Lowndes. So many people, many people
0: say that this movie starts pretty bad. Yes. And then the the end of the the last run of the movie is, is pretty great. It's like thirty-five and minutes like
1: a, of of like, wow, this kinda is cool. It was all it was really easy to ignore. When it got good, I rewound <laughs> it and realized why well, I didn't need to rewind it. <laughs> <laughs> so like you were ignoring it and then it's so that it's right, a would ninety be minutes better movie they couldn't keep your interest. <laughs> yeah, if I if we,
0: it should be an episode of the Twilight Zone is what you're saying. Yeah. This movie but would it's be a, great. But it'd be a dope a dope episode. If I
1: just Zone. explained like the first hour and then I said, and here's where we pick up guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So there's two movies that I think um, are that I think could could win the last spot. You want me to just go over them? I, I think mm-hmm. that we could name a million other movies, but I think one of these two movies will be the winner that, Which that we all we all go. OK, you ready? Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, 1979. Alien. <laughs> yep. This mo- movie is on. Uh, un- I don't think you can argue against this movie. If you don't like this movie, I don't think I have many things to talk to you about. Um, it's perfect. It's hard science fiction. It's creature. It's body horror. It's slasher. You don't see the alien very much. It's so tense and so scary. Um, there's just some cool lines in this movie that, um, it's structural, per- it's structural perfection. Perfection is matched only by its hostility. It's just like, yeah, dude, sweet. And this movie's perfect. It's amazing. It's better than the movie I'm going to say next, but I would understand if, if you, I personally might pick the other movie, you, you want another movie I think deserves. Is it the things- last spot? It's The Descent.
2: Oh, The Descent. The, yeah, the, the, de- <laughs> the Descent, yeah.
0: The Descent has so little. They create so much stress from so little. And in they, a way that I think in backstories. is.
1: Backstories, yes.
0: And that this movie is 99 minutes and you are stressed for like 85 of them. <laughs> they don't mess around, dude. And at the end of this movie, you're exhausted. So I can see why some people don't like this movie because like, man, it's like. But this movie's really scary. What you said though, well, and you get to a the way,
2: end, and you're just like mad at several of the yeah. characters. Oh my gosh, so much!
1: Um, <laughs> it's, it's stressful,
2: like, but it's also
1: fun. You're just like, whoa, this is this is a fun ride. It's good. It's so it's claustrophobic.
0: Intense. It's so claustrophobic. It's yes. so like I just it's inexplicable. Um, I'd be willing to ditch my pick to put both these movies in. Well, <laughs> so, if you guys okay. want to do that.
2: So, what about the thing? Are we not counting it? I feel like you see like the 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 monster a lot in the thing so i didn't even really consider it. Okay, i was debating if you saw the monster more in the thing or jaws. I think you're probably right. So then it would be this that's the same story with it falling. Like you're then. not see the thing about the thing is is like you're not seeing the action it's hard. That's
0: like a it's like a true tweener for this category, right? Yeah, so you're the not thing actually in it seeing things will just push off. You don't see the thing but you see like the thing doing stuff and it's really direct and visceral. Yeah. In yeah. In a way like in the descent, you don't see
2: anything. <laughs>
0: so, and then the other one I
2: wanted to bring up was Dunkirk.
0: Okay, yeah, Dunkirk is so claustrophobic.
2: Yeah, and the <laughs> yeah, stress you, cinema. You really you don't see the Nazi planes. army, but you know it's on the march and it's heading towards them. Yeah, so it's, it's like this inevitable. Like you see like voices here and there. The way that movie uses the clock ticking.
0: Absolutely disgusting.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that and the were of plane engines is just like, oh, uh, stressing me. All out. right. We'll
0: let discord decide alien or the descent. So, all right, for for well, Kevin,
1: alien, I'm saying it flat out. OK, alien. Ke- Eric, are you in for alien? I'm going descent only because uh, I feel like we can make a separate five of films because altitude isn't a film. And Pitch Black is fun, but it's more along the lines of The Descent. I'd rather put like hereditary heredity. We started the alien. list with Jaws, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a film. Whatever. I, I certainly love aliens, so your call, guys. Uh, I don't really care. Alright,
0: that's why I said the Discord can decide. Discord. Uh, Alright, for for Kevin, for Eric, plus this this raises the engagement, guys. We're trying to get numbers, okay? We'll see you guys next week. Go Hawks. First